Hey there, hope you are doing well wherever you are at. My name is John Whitaker, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. My heart on this podcast is to give what I call blue jeans theology. That is theology that's rooted in everyday life so that you can follow Jesus in your everyday life. And But before we jump into today's episode, if you are a pastor or a church leader of some kind, want to make sure you're aware of a free workshop that I have coming up on January 28th, and it's aimed at creating a culture of discipleship in your church, where we're going to explore five necessary shifts that we need to make if our church is going to be a disciple-making church. Five necessary shifts for becoming a disciple-making church. The link is discipleshipworkshop.net. I'll put that down below. You can sign up at the page that link will take you to. And I would love to have you participate in that workshop so that together we can think through and process so that your voice and your questions could be asked in that workshop so that together we could all learn and increase our ability to become disciple makers and disciple making churches. All right, we are in a series looking at the prophet Habakkuk specifically to learn what what he can teach us about our life of faith. And today we come to an incredibly central text and an, a central lesson from Habakkuk about walking by faith. So with that, let's jump into lessons on faith from the prophet Habakkuk. Okay, if you remember in last week's episode, we set up the backstory to Habakkuk, and then we looked at the fact that in the midst of that situation, that context, Habakkuk complains to God about the injustice that's present among God's people, the Jews, and he wonders why God isn't doing anything about it. Implicitly, Habakkuk is asking God to intervene, to act, to make things right. Well, that got us up through Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 4. In Habakkuk 1, 5 and following, God responds to Habakkuk, and he tells Habakkuk, I am actually going to do something about it. And so he tells Habakkuk his plans. And then Habakkuk responds back to God, and God responds back to Habakkuk. And so we get this interchange between God and Habakkuk. And this interchange teaches us really a, a crucial lesson about faith, and about how crucial faith is to our life. This is what God says. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5, God responds to Habakkuk's complaint by saying, Habakkuk, look at the nations and watch. In other words, Habakkuk, what I want you to do is just pick up your eyes and look around at the international scene around you, all right? So I want I want you to take a look, pay attention to what's going on on the the international horizon. Look at what's going on in all the nations around you, Habakkuk. Watch that. And so this is God's initial response is, open up your eyes, Habakkuk, and just take a look at all the nations around you and what's going on internationally with the surrounding nations. Look at the nations, he says to Habakkuk, and watch, and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you wouldn't believe it, even if you were told. And Habakkuk's about to be told what, what God's going to do. And the question is, is he going to believe it? And is he going to trust God in the midst of it? Uh, that verse there, I'm going to do something in your days that you wouldn't believe, even if you were told, sometimes is ripped out of context as this you know, incredible promise of God. But you got to pay attention to what's, what God's about to say. 
here's what God's going to do. I'm going to do something amazing, Habakkuk. What's that? Verse 6, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings, not their own. This is, this is God's response. God tells Habakkuk what he's going to do. Habakkuk basically saying, God, I, what are you going to do about the injustice among your people? God, I need you to act. And, and God says, okay, fine, Habakkuk, I actually am doing something. Look at the international scene. I'm raising up the Babylonians. So the first thing we hear from what God says is he's actually, he's actually in charge of and overseeing what's going on in the, the countries, the nations ar- around Judah, around Habakkuk's nation. And so God's actually supervising and overseeing the international scene around Habakkuk. He's raising up the Babylonians. And then he describes the Babylonians as that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth because they've been doing this. They, they uh, abolished the Assyrians as the international power, and they've been conquering other nations around Judah. And so look at the other nations and watch how the Babylonians have been sweeping through them and seizing dwellings not their own, taking over their cities, taking over their towns, and controlling their people, right? And then what, what God says in the rest of his little speech here is he goes on to describe how powerful the Babylonians are, how feared and how awful the Babylonians are. That's what God does. So beginning in verse 7 and following, God describes how awful, how feared, and how powerful the Babylonians are. And that's God's solution to the injustice in Israel. God's solution to the injustice of his own people is sending in the wicked, powerful brutal, awful Babylonians. And Habakkuk is like, wait a second, hold on. God, that doesn't make sense. And so Habakkuk replies back to God with a second complaint. He utters a second lament from what one scholar described as the heaviness of a soul waiting and looking for release. Like, God, this is not what I expected. God, this doesn't make any sense. So here's Habakkuk's response to what God says he's going to do to, in view of Judah's faithlessness and injustice. Lord, are you not from everlasting, Habakkuk prays? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, O Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. And so notice Habakkuk in his opening of his prayer, he acknowledges what God said. Okay, you're going you're gonna to use them. You've appointed them to bring about your, genis- your judgment and your punishment. But Lord, you're like everlasting. You're the Holy One, right? Like you will never die. Like you're infinite. You're holy. You're everlasting. Like you're big and you're great. Keep that in mind. Habakkuk has a very big view of God. He's not doubting God's power, God's greatness or anything. He's just questioning God's ways. And so he acknowledges God's greatness. He acknowledges what God has said. And then he says this in verse 13. He says, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent uh, while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Yes, Israel is unfaithful. Yes, Israel is not keeping your law, but we're still more righteous than the Babylonians. And now you're using the Babylonians to swallow up those more righteous than themselves. God, I don't get this. This doesn't make sense. 
he goes on and actually uses imagery from the way the Babylonians uh, carried people off into exile. He uses the imagery of uh, fish and sea and fish hooks because the Babylonians would actually use chains and hooks, oftentimes putting the hook right through a person's nose, uh, and they would hook people together in chains and then bring t- carry them off to Babylon into exile. So Habakkuk says, you have made people like the fish of the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in a net. He gathers them in his dragnet. And he's, and so he rejoices in and glad. So like the Babylonians, like fishermen, right? And they're gathering up all these people and taking them captive like fish out of the sea. And then he goes on and even describes the idolatry of the Babylonians. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net. He burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net, he lives in luxury. He enjoys the choices of food. So comparing Babylon to the fishermen, comparing their pagan worship to, you know, basically worshiping and celebrating their idols and burns incense to his net because it's by his power and his prowess and his warfaring that he's gotten rich and all of this. Um, is he to keep on emptying his net and destroying nations without mercy? Like, you mean you're just going to let him do this, God, um, and destroy nations without mercy? So do you hear the confusion from Habakkuk? God's solution doesn't make sense. It's out of step with God's own character. Yes, the Jews are unrighteous. Yes, the Jews need correction. But the Babylonians are worse. And God's going to use them as his means of correction. And they're more unjust than the Jews. They're more treacherous than the Jews. And they're idol worshipers too. God, like, what are you doing? And the real challenge in Habakkuk's second complaint is to how God governs the world. Like, God, what you're doing and the way you're ruling the world and the way you're you're Bringing about justice just doesn't make sense. As one author puts it, there could be no experience of faith that also does not face the question of God's seemingly strange ways. Walking by faith forces us to wrestle with God's seemingly strange ways. And so Habakkuk ends his second complaint by saying, God told me to watch the nations. Well, I'm going to stay at my post, and I'm going to watch for God's reply. And that's how uh, Habakkuk ends the second complaint. It actually is at the beginning of chapter 2 that he says that. He says, okay, God, you told me to watch the nations. Fine. I watch the nations. I see what's going on. I hear what you're doing, but I'm going to now watch for your reply. Well, God replies back to Habakkuk, and God tells him, write down what I'm about to tell you. Make it clear, Habakkuk. Make it so obvious that someone can read it quickly, that they can run and tell people quickly. Make it clear. And then, then God gives Habakkuk one of the most important lines for his people then and for us, his people today. The line that he gives them is this, the righteous will live by faith. The exact translation of the first half of chapter 2, verse 4 is a little bit challenging, but it seems to stand in contrast with the second half where God says the righteous will live by faith. Habakkuk 2, 4 says this, Behold, he whose soul is not upright, in other words, the one who's not righteous, he shall fail or he shall fall, but the righteous shall live by faith. That's what Habakkuk Two four says that's God's response to Habakkuk and Habakkuk's second complaint. God, the way you're ruling the world, the way you're bringing about justice, doesn't make sense. And God says to Habakkuk, "Here's the deal, Habakkuk: the one 
whose soul is not upright. The one who is not righteous, he shall fall. He shall fail. But the righteous one shall live by faith. This is God essentially saying, trust me, Habakkuk. I know what I'm doing. God is using someone more unjust than Judah to bring about his justice. God is punishing Judah's injustice indiscriminately. The whole nation, not just the unjust ones, the whole nation, including the faithful ones within in the nation, they're going to experience the Babylonian um, war and the Babylonian oppression and the Babylonian violence themselves. Right? Like, so God is using someone more unjust than Judah to punish Judah and to discipline Judah, and God is disciplining Judah indiscriminately, and God's response to Habakkuk is, trust me, Habakkuk, I know what I'm doing. But it's more than that. It's stated broadly for the righteous one, right? Just anybody who's righteous, man, woman, Habakkuk, and all the faithful remnant. So it's stated broadly and generally for all the righteous remnant of Habakkuk's day. If you want to, if you want to live, if you want to be faithful, then you need to live by faith and faithfulness to Yahweh. That's what God tells Habakkuk, and that's what God tells Habakkuk to write down, make it brutally clear so that anybody can see it and anybody can know it. Trust me, Habakkuk. Trust me, O faithful Jew, in 605 BC. The Babylonians are coming. Yes, they're going to be brutal. Yes, they're going to punish indiscriminately. Trust me, O faithful one. Trust me, O righteous one, I know what I'm doing. The righteous shall live by faith. And though it doesn't make sense to you, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Though Babylon is wicked, even more wicked than Judah, they are still my instrument. And guess what? I'll eventually punish them too. I'll hold them accountable. The one whose soul is not upright will fall. I will hold Babylon accountable too, but you just have to trust me. Uh, trust me, just because God uses Babylon or any other nation doesn't mean he endorses all their actions. He holds them accountable too. And it goes even beyond Habakkuk and the faithful remnant of his day. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, the righteous shall live by faith is quoted several times in the New Testament. In fact, it's really the number one principle for walking with God. This is really a major faith lesson for us from Habakkuk. You want to walk with God? You want to please God? Walk by faith. For the Apostle Paul quotes this line from Habakkuk at the very beginning of the letter to Romans, where he says he's going to lay out and show the righteousness of God and how the righteousness of God was played out in the person of Jesus. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, he says, For in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It's all about faith as it is written. And then he quotes Habakkuk. But the righteous one shall live by faith. Paul actually uses this line from Habakkuk 2.4 to support justification by faith in the letter to Galatians. He says, Now that no one is justified before God by the law, it is evident for the righteous one shall live by faith. Notice that righteousness, faith, life, all tied up together. So we see that uh, faith is the way to righteousness. Walking by faith, trusting God and being faithful to him, that's the way to righteousness. And faith is the way to life. Righteousness, faith, and life all tied up together. And so Faith 
righteousness and life go together. Faith is the way to righteousness. Faith, by, by righteousness there we mean right standing with God. And faith is the way to experience life, real life from God. It was the same in Habakkuk's day, and it's the same today. Faith is the number one principle for walking with God. And faith is always relational. It has to do with trust in and faithfulness to someone. That's how faith works. Whether it's faith in God, faith in your spouse, faith in someone else, faith is always relational. It has to do with trust in someone. It has to do with faithfulness to someone. And in Habakkuk's case, and in our case, that someone is God. So here's what God wants from you more than anything else. He wants your faith and your faithfulness. He wants loving trust and loyalty to himself. Faith is the, not just a, faith is the operating principle of our life. And that faith that is the operating principle of our life, it's the kind of faith that trusts God even when it doesn't make sense. That's what we learn from Habakkuk. Faith is the operating principle of your life, and that doesn't mean God always makes sense. That doesn't mean you always understand it. That doesn't mean it's always totally clear. That doesn't mean you always agree with what God is doing. It just means you trust him and you're loyal to him. You see, Habakkuk's in a difficult situation where what God, Habakkuk gets clarity from God. He's a prophet. God told him what he's going to do. So he knows exactly that God's behind the Babylonians. And Habakkuk's like, but God, that doesn't make any sense to me. And God basically says, trust me. The righteous one will live by faith. Trust me. And so faith is the operating principle of our life. And that just means we have to trust God, even when things are unclear, even when God's ways are strange, even when what God is up to doesn't make sense. We trust God. We live by faith. And when we live by faith like that, that's the key to being right with God. And that's the key to experiencing the very life of God in ourselves. Life now and life forever. The righteous one shall live by faith. Trusting God in the good times and in the hard times. Trusting God when he seems to be blessing or when he seems to be absent. Trusting God when his ways make sense or when his ways don't make sense. Trusting God and living in loyalty to him. That's what it means to be a righteous one. That's what it means to walk with God. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I pray that you and I will be men and women of faith who trust God all the days of our life. God bless you guys. Thanks for being a part of the Bible and Life family. Thanks for your, your support, your prayers to this ministry. I hope you have a blessed week in Christ. I look forward to talking to you next week.